In a letter to the Christians in and around the city of Corinth, Paul the Apostle wrote this. He said this in 2 Corinthians verses 1, 3 to 4. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us all in our troubles so that we can comfort others. And when they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For those of us who love and follow Jesus, we understand what the scripture teaches that uh, that everything really that God does to us, he intends to do through us. And in the midst of this pandemic, we are all being tested in regards to the health of our lives, whether it be emotional, spiritual, relational, or financial. And here's what anyone who has lived a full life knows. Life is difficult and and there's a lot of suffering in it. And if you want to live a deep and meaningful life, you have to learn to conduct yourself in the face of that. And as some of you have heard me say before, a lot of what people find in life that provides them a, a sense of meaning, a sense of sustained meaning, is, is really not a direct result of the pursuit of rights or happiness or, or the pursuits of the development of self-esteem and definitely, definitely not the easy way out. A meaningful life for those who make an impact in the lives of those around them pursue the adoption of responsibility. It is people who take on responsibility that, that we admire because really taking on responsibility is the right pathway in life. And today we want to take some time to talk one practically and scripturally regarding the topic of our finances and there are many people whose lives have been negatively affected by this pandemic. And, and really the reason we want to talk about finances today is because we want those who are struggling financially to have some hope. And, and ultimately, we hope that you would find some clarity on, on how beginning to uh, align your life according to God's standards uh, will actually help you become a good manager of your finances. Now, uh, if you're someone who has not been negatively affected by this pandemic financially, then listen, you should stick to the end because as Second Corinthians tells us, we have a responsibility to comfort others when they are troubled because we ourselves have been given comfort by God. Now, I believe that if you're not struggling financially, there is a good chance that you know someone who is. And, and I believe that the gospel is good news for all of life and and my hope is that you are encouraged and equipped with ways to speak hope and comfort in the lives of those that really God has placed in your circle of influence. And so to start this conversation, I, I want to talk about the subject of finances very practically. And then I want to follow that up by, by looking at how the scriptures gives clarity to what it looks like to be a good manager of our finances. And for those who have decided to love and follow Jesus, one of the things that we're going to do is we're, we're going to look at how the way we handle our finances can prove who it is that is actually the owner of our lives.
Hey, Joseph, long time no see. I hope uh, you and your family have been doing well in the midst of really the, the, this crazy, crazy, crazy times. Uh, just so everybody knows, and you know, I've known you for, for many, many years, um, you and your wife, and, uh, and really I'm, I'm excited that you're, you're able to take the time to be with us today. For those who may, maybe don't know you, could, could you just maybe tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, my name is Joe Lang. I'm a financial advisor with Thriving Financial. Uh, I've known Phil and Leona for, for yeah many years now. My job is I'm a certified financial planner. I help people plan for their futures. Uh, work for Thriving Financial. We're a, a Christian organization. We help our members be wise with their money so they can lead generous lives. Thanks for sharing that with us. You know, we've been in the middle of a series for those of uh, those people who are watching have been with us. Uh, it's a series called Start Over, which is all about giving us the opportunity, preparing us for the start over to a life, you know, without a pandemic that we'll all, all eventually get so that when the time comes to uh, start over, we just don't start over, but we start over well. And, and one of the things that uh, people have learned through this pandemic is the actual state of their financial health. And I wanted to take some time today to really speak to that. And uh, I thought, I was thinking like, who could I talk with about this? And Really, I thought of knowing it any better than you, and I wanted to connect with you to see what kind of advice you would give to people out there who are looking to come out of this uh, pandemic with a plan for greater financial health, whether this pandemic has been a negative experience for them or mm -hmm. maybe a slightly surprisingly better. So uh, this is what you do. So mm -hmm. uh, if you were sitting across some people, what, what, would you, what advice would you give? Uh, well, that's certainly a good question. When it comes to, you said a plan, and that's exactly what you'd want to have. You'd want to have a plan. So what this has, what this pandemic has taught some people is that, yeah, we're, we might not be in as good a financial shape as we thought, or uh, maybe we lost our job because of this virus. We're furloughed or we're laid off right now, and we didn't have what the experts recommend is that three to six months worth of cushions in our short-term reserves so that we can weather the hard times. And And as we know, a lot of people are experiencing those hard times right now. Right now with credit cards, um, I'm seeing a number of clients that are adding to credit cards right now, which of course we're in tough times and, and that can happen. We're in a scenario for a client of mine that happens to be uh, have about 10,000 on their credit card right now and aren't really sure what to do about it. Um, it's a tough situation to be in. Uh, there's a couple of different strategies there. Consolidation of debt can be worthwhile. If one credit card's at 16%, and the other one's at 10, it might make sense to see if you can do a balance transfer to the 10% to help more money go to principal. Um, there's also uh, options right now that typically a financial advisor won't discuss, uh, but the CARES Act that was passed in March makes this a little bit better of an option than it once was. What the CARES Act uh, provided is that we can take money out of retirement accounts if we've been affected by COVID, or related viruses, if we've lost our job or our spouse lost their job, if we've been furloughed or things like that. Uh, we can take money out of our retirement accounts if we need to without having to pay the 10% early penalty that we normally have to. Again, we don't normally recommend retirements for retirement. However, if we're racking up a credit card debt that we might not be able to pay off right now, um, the government gave us the go ahead to look into this. And so based on your situation, it could make sense to look into that. If we've got a 401k through our work and they're going to give us a 4% loan rate, it definitely makes sense to use that 4% loan rate to pay off a 16% loan rate, um, which is going to put us in a better situation coming out of this. We'll be able to pay off that 401k loan a lot faster than that, than that credit card debt. If you are somebody that's maybe 
new into your career, maybe you don't have those savings vehicles yet uh, and are struggling right now, uh, we have to look at cutting expenses. You know, we can be cord cutting, it could be dropping our cell phone plan down, it could be less trips to Culver's like I've been doing. It could be those types of things where we just need to focus and really take a look at our budget and really stick to a, to a structured budget right now if we're only on unemployment or something like that. Um, those are going to be the strategies for the time being right now. I really think that's will be really, really helpful for some people that are trying to figure out this new reality of finances that have just been dropped on them. And now let me, let me ask a question uh, for those people who, who are like, you know what, this hasn't been bad for us. What, what could we do looking forward? What would be the smart thing for us to do in this start over as you look and as you look at the financial landscape, what would be the yeah. smartest thing for them to do? Yeah, it's, yeah, like you mentioned, not everybody's hurting right now. There are plenty of people that are doing just fine. They're working from home, but they're still getting the same paychecks they were getting. For those people, you know, we could take a look at adding more into your investments. You know, the stock market's down about 12% uh, overall since our highs three months ago. It could be a good time to add more to those investments um, if we're getting a little bit of a discount right now. And, and then the last thing, um, probably the most important, is for people that are doing okay today, uh, need to pick up the slack for the people that aren't. That means churches, that means charities, that favorite organization that you do love to volunteer at, they need your dollars more than ever right now. And if people, if half the country are giving a lot less because we're a little scared of our situation, we're not sure if we're going to make it, um, the people that are feeling comfortable need to pick up that slack today. That could be your local your local food shelf, it could be your charity, it could be that organization that you love to volunteer at and want to make sure that they're around next year when we're, when we're back to normal. Uh, giving more is a really good um, thing to do right now to help everybody out. It also could be um, frequenting that uh, to-go restaurant down the street that you want to make sure stays in business. Um, doing things like that's going to, it's going to make a really big difference for the long term for, for a lot of people. Yeah. Hey, this is gold stuff. I mean, I, I definitely, even for me, you've answered some of my questions that I've had regarding everything that's going going on and, and uh, I'll probably be giving you a call a little later. Uh, but hey, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and experience with us and your time. Um, I know my wife and I have appreciated you over the years as our own personal advisor. And uh, uh, thanks again for, for joining us. God bless you and uh, take care. We'll see you later. Yeah, thanks for having me, Phil. Take right, care. Bye-bye. Bye. In his gospel, Luke recorded Jesus teaching this in Luke 12, verses 15 to 21. Then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. And then he told him a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. And he said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. And then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And, and I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? And then Jesus gets to the point of what he was trying to say. And he says this, yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Jesus didn't call the rich man a fool because he was wealthy. He called him a fool because he didn't know why he was wealthy. 
Jesus didn't call the rich man a fool because he had extra. He called him a fool because he didn't know why he had extra. And this is the assumption of consumption. If it comes to me, it belongs to me. In other words, here is what Jesus is saying. This guy's life is represented by a total and complete loss because he can't take any of it with him when he dies. On top of that, Jesus says that people who live like this have nothing to show in the life to come because they were poor managers of their finances. A total loss. Picture that. And, and, and really living life this way is, is really a huge regret. I think this is why Jesus said this in Matthew verses 6 to 24. No one can serve two masters for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Now, as long as you view yourself as the owner of your stuff, your stuff will always own you. And when that happens, you cannot be fully devoted to God and his kingdom. And, and Jesus knew that the number one competition for our hearts is our stuff. But he also knew that if we could change our view of our stuff, then we could be free. Now, if you, if you live like most Americans, your plan for your finances looks kind of like this. You know, if you live like most Americans, your plan for finances looks like this. Earn it. Spend it. Maybe save it. And if you have any left over, maybe give it away. On the other hand, the scripture teaches that for the follower of Christ, a good manager of finances lives like this. Earn it. Then give it. And then save it. And then live on the rest. Now this, really this idea has always been a part of the moral ethic of the people who have submitted their lives to God. That's why the writer of the Old Testament book of Proverbs wrote this in Proverbs 3 verse 9 when he said this, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with, your and with the first fruits of all your produce. See, from a spiritual perspective, every time that you and I give to God first, we are actually communicating faith in God. We are saying, God, because I want my trust to be in you and, and not my money, I'm going to give to you before I spend anything on me. And then I'm going to trust you that I can live on the rest. Now, I, I get it. <clears throat> that might sound self-serving as a pastor, but the reality is I do this myself. Every time I get paid, before I pay anything else, my priority is to give back to God through my local church. For those of you who remember the years that I could not receive a salary for being your pastor, even, uh, even then, we as a family still practice the idea of giving to God first. And listen, living life in this way has been a huge help in really helping us learn what it means to be content and for our faith in God to be secure. And at the end of the day, what wins is our faith. What benefits the most when we give in this way is our faith in God. Our faith in God is what benefits the most. 
This is why every time you and I practice the plan of priority giving, it's an act of worship. It's acknowledging that God is the owner. And, and, and really, it's a moment of gratitude that says, God, I, I realize that everything I have and, and, and even everything that I think I earn comes from you. And my giving is, is in recognition of that fact. This is my act of worship. Now, a good manager of their finances is committed to not only saying that they give to God first, but they decide ahead of time how much. And I do not think there is a better way to plan on how to consistently live a life as a manager and not an owner of the resources God has given than being a percentage giver. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about tithing here. I'm just talking about what is the most accurate way to live generously in light of what God has given you. And listen, percentage giving is, is, is more generous because listen, the more you earn, the more you give. And, and, and let's be honest, the, the more you make, the harder it is to become a percentage giver. Uh, our thinking shifts. We start thinking of all the stuff that we could do with the money. And, 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 then, and then there it is. We start drifting into a life that is less and less generous and more consumeristic. A story a good friend of mine tells about a lesson he learned about being content financially. It was from a, an experience he had when he was 10 years old playing a game monop- a Monopoly. And um, I just thought it was such a good story. And I got his permission to share it. So I'm just going to read it. Growing up, our family played Monopoly a lot. It was a family favorite. Sure. Sure to elicit shouts of disappointment as well as the glow of victory. And my dad did not play the game like one of those pushover grown-ups who would lose on purpose to make the kid feel better. He played to win. When I got my $1,500 from the bank at the beginning of the game, I always wanted to hang on to my money as long as possible. You never know what chance card might turn up next. The board is a risky place, but my dad knew how to play the game. He understood that you don't win without risk, and he didn't play for second place. So he would spend every dollar he got. He would buy every piece of property he land on. He would mortgage every piece of property he owned to the hilt in order to buy everything else on the board. He understood what I did not. That accumulating was the name of this game. That money is how you keep score. And that the race goes to the swift. Eventually he would become the master of the board. And then nothing would stop him. He would watch me land on boardwalk one too many times, hand over what was left of my money, and put my little top hat away. And all the time I would be wondering, how did I lose again? Then I was 10 years old, and I finally caught on. It finally dawned on me that the only way to win this game was to make a total commitment to acquisition. No mercy, no fear. This time when I sat down to play, I was more ruthless than he was. My palms were sweaty. I would play without softness or caution. I was ready to bend the rules if I had to. Slowly, cunningly, I exposed the soft underbelly of his defenses. Relentlessly, I drove him off the board. I can still remember it. It happened at Marvin Gardens. (laughs) I looked at my dad the man who I loved and who raised me, and I took everything. 
he had. I destroyed him financially and psychologically. I watched him give up his last dollar and quit in utter defeat. It was the greatest moment of my life. I had won. I was more clever, stronger, and more ruthless than anyone else at the table. I was now master of the board. Then came the one phrase that took it all away. Well, now son, make sure you put it all back in the box before you go to bed. (laughs) All those houses and hotels, all that property, boardwalk, park place. If you never played the game, you don't know. Boardwalk, park place. The railroads and the utility companies, all those thousands of dollars. When the game is over, it all goes back in the box. And I didn't want it to go back in the box. I wanted to leave it out as a perpetual memorial to my skill at playing the game. Maybe bronze it or something. I was so heady with victory that for a moment I lost touch with reality. None of that stuff was really mine. When the game is over, it all goes back in the box. And life is the exact same way. At the end of the game, it all goes back in the box. Imagine with me what your life would look like if every time you got money, you gave first. Money comes in, and you give it to God's kingdom as an internal investment. And then you save, and then you live on the rest. Imagine if you live that way for however many more years that you were given. I would imagine that you would be content as it relates to your finances. If you find this difficult, the idea of of giving first, saving second, and living on the rest, then it may not have to do with anything more than the fact that at the end of the day, you ultimately see yourself as the owner of what you earn. Now, if you're thinking, I hate talks like this. Don't you have something on prayer? How about a one on grace? Or, or maybe, maybe a different parable of, of Jesus, like, you know, the, the prodigal son. That's a good one. That's a good one. Why, why don't you, why don't you talk about that? Like, why do you have to go talk about money? Listen, I am right there with you. Uh, these talks sometimes make me just as comfortable. But here's what I know. Because this is true of me, and this may be true of you. If when this topic about being a good manager of your finances comes up and it just grates you, listen, that tension, that tension, that tension you feel is more than likely where God wants to work in your life. So won't you let him work in your life?
Let him work now. So that in the start over that we all eventually will get, you don't just start over, but you start over well. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for all that you have given to us and all that you have done. I pray that you would help us not only to have wisdom in the way we handle our finances, but you would also give us the courage to actually live life according to your standards, to your will, to your way. Help us not see our lives as owners of the things we earn, but help us to see it rightly, that you own everything and you have entrusted us through our earning to be good stewards of not only being responsible of what we have been given, but for using everything we have been given for the sake of the gospel, that your name would be great and that people would find and follow you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.